certain churches and they say, you know what? Um, they don't have any kids in that church. And that's difficult for me to hear because we are so blessed to have the children's workers that we have and the children that just love on each other. I mean, it's, it's unparalleled to see um, when the new, new kids come, they're like, hey, you're part of our family. Let's go. Let's have some fun. Let's learn some stuff and, and let's make some stuff and let's have a good time. And they do have a good time back there. I hear them. Um, so pray for your children's workers and your children's leaders. Amen. Amen. That's right. Pray for them. Continuing in our series, I Deserve It. No creepy video this week. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, I'll give you a little heads up. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 20. We're going to read a little bit there. Um, but we've been in this series called I Deserve It. And how we look in God's Word and, and we see things and we see things that happen in the world, even in our own lives. And, you know, when we deserve condemnation, we receive mercy. And when we deserve rejection, we see acceptance from God. So the kingdom living, I often say, is, is backward because what we think we deserve, God says, you know what, I have, I have another plan. I have another word for you this morning. So God is, is, is working in people's lives and God changes and flips things on, on its head so often. I often say that kingdom living is, is sort of backward. You know, God says certain things that, that don't make sense in the natural world, that don't make sense to us um, in the natural. So if you go to Matthew chapter 20, if you have it, say amen. If you don't have it, don't say anything. Matthew chapter 20. We're going to read a couple of verses, beginning in verse 1. And, and I don't know about you, but we have headings in some of our Bibles that says, what this portion of scripture is called. And this one in my Bible says, laborers in the vineyard. Laborers in the vineyard. We begin in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven, in other words, I know I didn't get real far, but in the kingdom of heaven, in other words, my rule, my domain, God says, is something like this. It's like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, that's a day's wage, he sent them into his vineyard. And this would have been most likely in the morning time when the, when the work day was starting, um, 6 a.m., 5 a.m., something like that. Going And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, uh, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. All right, so they go out, and it says they went. Now, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. All right. So we see he's looking for workers in his vineyard, and then he kind of comes, stumbles upon some workers in the vineyard. Uh, and he says, you know what, I got some people here, and the workday's starting, and he finds some folks. And he says, what are you doing? And he says, well, we're just kind of hanging out. Why have you been idle all day? He said that to them in verse 6. This is about the 11th hour. Now, the 11th hour, it's getting later in the day. And he finds some guys and, or some people, and he says, why do you stand here idle? And they said, because no one has hired us. He said, well, you go into the vineyard too. All right. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. 
unorthodox way to go about paying your employees, no doubt. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a full day's wage, a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, right? When they, when they thought, oh man, we've been here all day. These guys got a denarius. What are we going to get for being here all day long? But each of them also received a denarius. I like this, not, this next line. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house. They started to grumble. I think we don't use that term enough these days, grumble. Y'all know any grumblers? I feel like grumbling today, they might say. So they grumbled and they said that, they said this in verse 12. They said that the last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have the, who've borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. And I love this reply. This, this master is the man. He says this, friend, am I doing you no wrong? I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree for a denarius? Hmm. Don't you love being that person, you know, when somebody's all worked up and you get to be the person that says, hey, you know what? Hey, just, hey, friend, relax. Hey, relax here. Makes me feel so spiritual at times, right? Hey, calm, just calm down a minute. Relax. These guys are all worked up and the master's like, hey, friend. Hey, friend. I love the usage of the word friend with a perfect stranger. Hey, friend, why don't you just go ahead and calm down? It's only a latte. Relax. People get worked up, don't they? People get worked up about stuff. They grumble. Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me for a denarius? He's got a point there. This is my favorite part in verse 14. Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give you this. I choose to give to this last worker as I have given you. And this is a great line. Am I not allowed to do with what I choose, with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Wow. Remember, Jesus is how is describing here in verse 1. He says that he's describing how things work in his domain, in his kingdom. This is how it works in the culture of his kingdom. And Jesus says one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture he says this in verse 16. Say it with me. So the fir- last will be first and the first last. One of the most famous lines in Scripture. The last will be first and the first will be last. Now I know we, and, and one, of the, one of the Instagram posts that I made the other day, I don't know whether I did on the church page or my page, was I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. Remember the first three rules in biblical interpretation and exegesis. Jesus, context, context, and context. People yank these out and they put them on cross-stitch pillows and put them on a poster and hang them up. And and, and Christian parents, and I know there's none in this room, but people that you know may have used this to, 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 to misinterpret the kid that will never win in sports. The kid that's unathletic, and admit it now, he's not going to the pros, Mom. He's just not. But the last will be first, Johnny. Just because you lost the game, don't worry about it. Has anyone been a part of one of these leagues? A friend of mine was telling me about one of these leagues where they go there 
He says, I got to the field, the soccer field, and I got there and, and there was something missing. He says, hey, where's the scoreboard? Oh, sir, we don't keep score here. You, in a competitive situation, we don't keep score here. And it's, 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 this verse gets ripped out of context when, when the kids' team gets crushed. I mean, schooled. And then they, the, 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 oh, Johnny, it's okay. Sally, it's all right. The first will be last and the last will be first. Don't worry about it. That's not what that verse means. That's not what that verse is speaking to. And our, our, our instant reaction is this. It's just not fair. And, and you say, you know, that's just life. Life is not fair. So Christians need to stop using that verse because life is not fair. And I don't like this idea that everybody gets a trophy. That's not real life. I mean, it's just not. We can only shelter our children for so long. And when they get out there in what we call the real world, they struggle and they have a harder time. Because we, everybody get wins, right? Everybody gets a trophy. Life is not fair. I mean, look around the room. We're fickle creatures, right? Look around the room a little bit, and, and there's always somebody, right? There's, there's someone like, life is not fair, even in our physical appearance, you know? It's like, man, I, I wish I was a little taller. I wish I... And I'm not going to point anybody out in this room, but you know who you are. I wish I had that facial hair. I mean, it rocks it. But life's not fair. Just in appearance alone, we're like, it's not fair. There's a thing called winning and a thing called losing. It's not fair. And I love surprising people, too, when I speak with them, because they don't expect the the pastor or the preacher to say this. But when people are like, oh, pastor, this just isn't fair. And I love being like, yeah, that's for sure. It's not fair. They were like, whoa, preacher, I thought you were going to give me some encouragement. You know, like, well, but God is fair. And, and, but you know what? I don't see that in his word anywhere. And I wish more preachers would have the, have the honesty and the guts to say, you know what? God's not fair. That's right. You heard it here first this morning. God is not fair, at least in our eyes and what we equivocate fairness to mean. God's not fair. You won't find it in the Bible that God is fair. It doesn't say anywhere that God declares I am fair. But you will see that God is just. But he's not the God of everybody's a winner. And everything around us declares that God is not fair. Prepare your life accordingly. That's not fair. I couldn't agree more. We need to admit that more, that this isn't fair. Track with me in this message because you're going to want to hear the end. There are so many people either here this morning in the sound of my voice or watching online or listening and you're engaging, you're watching and you need to know that you're right. It isn't fair what you're going through. It's not fair. And so Jesus says this in his word through this passage. You know what kind of dynamic and culture my kingdom is like? Remember that God is a king and he has the kingdom and the dynamics under which he rules. Jesus tells this story. And I want to make a couple observations very quickly. 
to help frame for you how different God's domain is than our culture is, than our country is, if that's okay this morning. It's very different. First of all, did you notice in our story the way the master hires people? He hires these different groups of people. He hires these very, very, very different groups. And you notice how he does this differently. Think about the first group. They're in the morning. They make an agreement. These people got a contract. They have an agreement. We're going to work for Denarius. Yes, sign here. Good. Go work in the vineyard. Awesome. The next few hours, he hires the next group. He saw them just standing idle. And he says, hey, I'll give you what's right. Just go into the vineyard. So like, okay, well, we'll we'll be treated fairly. Let's go into the vineyard. They're like, all right. They don't have a contract, an agreement. And then the last group, he hires one hour before quitting time. And he says, do you you remember, he says, uh, he didn't say, I'll give you what's right. All he said was, go into the vineyard. So all they got was, go in the vineyard. And I mean, just for preparation to work alone would probably cost them a half hour. So they probably only worked about... 30 minutes working on no agreement no i'll give you what is right no denarius so it's like hold on a second god are you telling us something in this passage about the way you do things god even the way you interact with different people that god doesn't treat everybody the same we're all unique we're all his masterpieces right the god god's word says that we're all uniquely ourselves and god says God tells us this by saying, you know what? I hired these different groups of people, and I want you to learn a lesson here. By the way, who's the author of this story? Give me the Sunday school answer. Right. Every answer in Sunday school is Jesus, right? Even if it's the Sunday school teacher says, you know, what's little and gray and has a bushy tail and collects nuts and runs up the trees. Little boy says, well, it sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer is Jesus. I know it is. This is Jesus telling this story. It's his story. So he's saying, I want to give you a a kind of a look into how I roll, how I function, how things in my kingdom look. I hire differently. Jesus says the master, which he likens to himself, he says, hired from from early in the morning to late at night. This guy got hired all day long. Because Jesus could have told told the story this way. I hired everybody at nine o'clock and then I paid them all the same. He says, let me tell you this story. It's kind of unusual story because when payment comes around... He clearly has a different payment method. So much so that it frustrates thinking people. They look down the line. By the way, they they wouldn't have been frustrated if the master would have paid the employees the normal way. If he paid the normal way, at the end of the day at sunset, which was, by the way, how Jewish law said that they were supposed to get paid by sunset, before the sun goes down, you have to pay your servants, lest when the sun goes down, the word says, you use the cover of night not to pay the bill. So pay your people when the sun is shining before sunset but it's tradition to pay the first people that show up you pay them now the master paid the first people had he done that the first people first they would have got their denarius gone on their merry way and they never would have known that the people who worked a half an hour got paid the same pay it says if the master want, it said the master actually wants them to know he tells his foreman hey do this a little different I want you to pay the last first and pay the first last. And the foreman's probably saying, oh my goodness. I'm going to be the most hated foreman in the town. The guy shows up at the 11th hour. They're cool. They're like, hey, we showed up for half an hour's worth of work. 
We're going to get paid? All right, cool. But the guys that were working all day here were like, what? They're frustrated. Jesus is kind of hinting at something here. Remember, he says this is kind of how the kingdom works. He says, you might get frustrated at how I rule my domain. These people that came and worked all day under the sun, remember they were like, how oh, we worked all day out in the scorching heat and here we are? We're frustrated. What are you, you're kidding me? He said, you might get frustrated at how things work in my kingdom. It's not like your ways. God says, my ways are higher. I do things different. I do different. And lastly, it's very clear to me that God has a very different value scale. Like, this is the most frustrating owner of a vineyard ever. And Jesus goes to those listening. He says, so maybe now you understand when I say the first will be last and the last will be first. So he, he paints this whole picture and he closes with that statement. And we got to think about this for a minute. How does Jesus, how does he liken this into kingdom work, kingdom living? God's not fair. We can tell that clearly. If Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this, and here's what my domain is like, it's like this story, this account that I'm going to tell you. If you're into fairness, this is the most frustrating parable that Jesus ever told. Right? Like this guy gets reported. But then he'd be cleared because they all agreed, as he would later point out. Remember you first hirees, you agreed. You, you had a contract. You agreed to a denarius. And I wanted to give the guys who worked 30 minutes the same pay. Jesus, are you saying this is how kingdom works? The kingdom works? That's not fair. Jesus says, I know I'm not fair. I'm good. I'm just. Because, you know, in our interpretation of fairness, we always mean, usually mean, sameness. Treat everybody the same. Everybody wins. Son, you lost the game, but it's okay. You're a winner. Well, you lost the game. It's not the same. There are winners and losers. It, when we think of fairness, oftentimes we think of sameness. And God is not the game of, God is not the God of sameness. Just look around. All of us have different fingerprints, right? Every one of us. See, God isn't the God of sameness. God is the God of justice. Justice. Rightness. Fairness, oftentimes in our minds, is sameness. Treat me the same as they, as they should be treated. God is the God of rightness. He's the God of justice. By the way, he gets to define justice and rightness. You don't. God is the God of justice, not the God of fairness. So when we say it's not fair, there are often three things that we actually mean. We translate that. When we say it's not fair, there are often three, three things, maybe more, that we mean when we say it's not fair. Number one, we say that it's not the same. I want sameness as long as it's to my advantage. Now, if it's not to our advantage, we'll complain like the first group hired. And you say, you know what? You've made them equal with us, the word says. Have you ever wished, don't raise your hand, but have you ever, have you ever known somebody who wished that somebody might just be brought down a few notches to your level? You ever, you ever be honest with yourself that, you know what? They, they just, they think they're so high and mighty and God, 
I just wish, have you ever, have you ever reveled in someone else's wrong firing or demotion at work? Saying that they got what they, that's fair. And you're like, oh man, you know what? Ah, So sorry about that, Bob. So sorry to see you go. And in the meantime, you're like, yes. Come on, somebody. And you say that's fair, but really, it, a lot of times in our in our minds, we say that's not. We want we don't want fairness. We want, we want sameness. Have you ever worked somewhere and, and one of the employees is gone, and you're like, hey, wait a minute, where where'd they go? And the boss says, oh, I gave him an extra half an hour for lunch. You go, that's not fair. They need to be the same. I need to be the same as them. That's not fair. I've never gotten an extra half an hour for lunch. Can I have an extra half an hour? Well, no, sir, you have a different role, ma'am. You know, if you had an extra half an hour and everybody got an extra half an hour, it wouldn't get things done. And, 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 but, but at least it would be better. At least we'd be the same. I would get treated the same. We want God to make us all the same. And look around, he just doesn't do that. Fairness, we often equivocate with sameness. Hey, man, I, I need to be the same as them. They've got these certain privileges and certain rights. And what about me? But difference is what makes up this beautiful mosaic and portrait of who God is. Our differences actually display his goodness and his essence. So sameness is not what God does. Another thing that we like to say mean when it's not when we say it's not fair, we want God to value what we value. Let me unpack that a little bit. That God's values are not the same a lot of times as our earthly values would be would be so vocalized. Let me say that. And people get mad at God. When we say it's not fair, we want our values to be valued. That's not fair. So this is how it works, right, God? Okay. I work hard. I work hard, God, and I think that your value system should match mine. What I think is important, I think God should think is important. That's a little backward. But before the universe was spoken into existence, God had, if you will, a value system that he still has. But I'm sorry, sir, your brain has been activated for what, all of 24 years, and now you think that God needs to match your values? I don't mean to pick on 24-year-olds. But you want the great and eternal one, the one that knows all and is all and, and, and created this whole thing. You want him to morph into your value system? Well, yeah, because I've gotten together with a group of people and we think that God ought to value this. And it's not fair. Because what I see as valuable, God apparently doesn't see as valuable. Well, does it line up with his word? Does it line up with the values that he's outlined in his word? Well, I've worked hard and I've... I've been in this church a long time and I think we should do things this way. And I value this. I value hard work. And remember in our story, the hard workers that were there all day and the latecomers, the the hard workers that were there all day and said, hey, hold on. This isn't fair. Don't you value hard work? So God, I need you to value what I value. You know what God's response is when we tell him that we want you to value what I value? God says, you know what? You're cute. But I'm never, ever going to do that. 
God has outlined certain things in his words that are in his word that are crystal clear. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, you're right. It's not fair. Because he doesn't value what the world values. So what else? One more thing. We want our expectations to be fulfilled. This is a good one. God, this is what I want. What? What? They got that. God, that's what I wanted. You gave it to them. Well, I want it too. God, why would you give it to them? They're not even nice people. <laughs> and God, you should give me what they... Because, you know, I, I, look at all the work I've done. God, it's not fair. It's not fair. I want what they have. God, they got married. God, they got healed. God, they got a job. God, they got great facial hair. What about me, God? And that's what we mean. We've got these expectations that we want fulfilled. We say, God, here are my expectations. And God loves your expectations. I don't mean to belittle them. He really does. But God's role in the universe, light bulb moment, is not simply to fulfill your expectations. Well, that's not fair. Because I really got my hopes up on this one. Correct. God's not fair. So let's unpack it. Let's think about this. Because I want to, in, in, before we're done here, in the next few moments, I want to I find out, could there be something in this passage, some answer to our constant craving for fairness? Jesus, have you built into this story an answer? I think he has. He says to this foreman, he says, listen to his values scale. He says, pay the last first and the first last. That creates the conflict. That's literally where it's not fair surfaces in our story hey these guys the master says your eye is is your eye evil because i'm so generous like hey i'm paying you right is your because i'm so generous it's like a drop the mic moment right there like hey we agreed to it didn't we well he has them then he goes on to his disciples Jesus says, so maybe now you understand why, and one translation says, maybe now you understand why I say the last will be first and the first will be last. And so I read that again and again this past week, and I never thought of this before, that that Jesus is giving us a nod kind of to the first group he hired and to the last group he hired. He's kind of giving us a picture into this. And maybe Jesus is hinting at the question, maybe even more than hinting at the question this morning. Which group of hirees do you relate to the most? Be honest with yourself. Which group were you like, yeah, that, that's, that's me. That, that's, that's me. That's my group. Now, I love you guys, but I need to tell you the truth. The vast majority of people, especially the people probably in this room, no disrespect, did not associate with that 11th hour group. And that is our problem. That's our problem. Because most of us see us see ourselves as the 6 a.m. group. You know, I'm good. You know, I, I do my work. I, I hold the door open for old people. I, I do. I, 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 I take showers regularly. I'm, I'm a neat person. I've done my work. I've done the proper thing. I pay my taxes. We're more like the first hire group where we say, okay, I have these things in line, so I deserve this or that. 
because I have these things in line. Now notice the master, Jesus, is not referring to these groups that he hired in between. He wants us to take the two extremes. Pay the last first and the first last. Let this thing unfold, he says to his foreman. And it does. And he says at the end, Jesus stops this story and looks up and he says, You know, maybe now, disciples, you will understand when I say that the last will be first and the first be last. What it doesn't do is give, give Christian parents license to encourage their unathletic children. It's not what the scripture means. Is Jesus saying that what we might just stumble on is the answer and the antidote to the ending? Endless craving for fairness in all of our lives. Well, that's not fair. Which group do you relate with? Because which group was frustrated, the first group or the last? The first. The first group is hired in the beginning. Now, they're, they're hired. They have a contract. They have a law-binding agreement. They have this written law that says, I will pay you a denarius for your day's work. They have this written down. And if you want to relate to God based on the law, you're going to get frustrated. In a hurry. Now, the first hired group, they're the only ones that had an agreement. Now, relating to God based on an agreement, let me just say you don't want that. <laughs> As the hirees go, they get less and less agreed and less and less detailed, right? The last group, the final group, how did they get hired? Here's kind of how the conversation went. Hey, what are you guys doing out here? We don't have a job. We'll go into my vineyard. That's it. They get a job with the word go. He says, now get out there. And the last group, the last group when they get paid, Jesus said, pay the last group first. And so they're the last to get paid. And they get paid first. They're like, <laughs> we, wait a second. They just go into the vineyard, right? There's about a half hour's worth of work left. And we're going to get paid first? Okay. They're okay with it. Now, if they're smart, they don't volunteer to work again the next morning at the beginning of the day again. You only need to work an hour, but you get a whole day's wage? The, yeah. And the people are in the first group. They're like, hey! So if you start associating with the first group, let's look at a couple statements. In the New Testament, there's a guy named Paul. He's the artist for, formerly known as Saul. He ends up writing more than half of the New Testament. And he's the, thanks, he's the, this lonely up here, you know, these are the jokes. If you're not laughing now, it's going to be a long two hours. Literally one of the brightest Old Testament minds to ever live, this guy Paul, if not other than Jesus himself, the greatest teacher and preacher of Scripture and the story of God, Paul, writes a few times to a few churches. And he writes to uh, the first time to a church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians. Um, and he says this, and he's not exaggerating, and because if he was exaggerating, he'd be lying, and he's not. He said, do you know what, you know what Paul told the people in Corinth when he wrote them a letter? He said, I am the least of all the apostles. The least. Now, which higher group does that sound like? He says, I am the least. I'm not a good man. 
Paul said, and it gets worse. Paul writes his letter to his star pupil, Timothy. And in his letter, he writes to Timothy. He says, you know what he says? He goes, hey, Timothy, I am the chief among all sinners. Wait a second, Paul, the artist formerly known as Saul. You're planning churches, loving people. Aren't you Pastor Paul? Aren't you Pastor Paul? He goes, yeah, you know what? Just please just call me Paul. Why? Because I'm the worst, bro. You have no idea. If it wasn't for Jesus, oh, come on, Paul. You're Pastor Paul. And Paul, I can't. People would come from my, to hear what Paul had to say. And, and, and Paul, you're the guy. I've heard all about you. I can't wait to meet you. He goes, oh, you've heard about me? What have you heard? You want to know, Paul says, you want to know my story? You want to know what I did and who I'd still be if it wasn't for Jesus? Now, by the time Paul writes 1 Timothy, folks, he's not a rookie pastor. This guy's got some wins under his belt. And wherever he goes and wherever he walks, people are like, hey, there's Paul, y'all. Come on, Gary. He's kind of the man among the faith. Believing, believing people. He's kind of the guy, the man of his day. And he, and he goes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Paul could have stopped there, but he didn't. Paul said, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am ranked number one. So which group does Paul relate with? The first group or the 11th hour jokers? Paul says, oh, I got in in the 11th hour. It's ridiculous that I'm even in this vineyard. And all of a sudden, this posture begins to form. And it's a posture of gratitude, of gratefulness. It's a posture where, you know, man, you can get a skip in your step when you're walking around in that vineyard. You know, the the church, the problem that I see in the church today, some, some one of the problems is that the people have been working all these years in the church. Someone new gets saved in the church, and they're like, ah, I don't know. They look a little too happy. (laughs) Don't you know, I've been working in this church for all my life. My mother gave birth to me on that altar. (laughs) You can't just come in here all happy and changing all the songs and being all joyful. I'm going to get what I deserve because I've been here. You, sir. And the 11th hour Christian is coming in like, whoa, man, I just made it. I just made it. Here's the truth, church. We're all 11th hour people. That's the point of the story. In in the book of Matthew chapter 9, I think it was, uh, Jesus says that those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick. You know, I think what he meant was saying that those who think they're all good, they won't even come to see me. Because you know what? I'm a doctor, and doctors help sick people. And I came to this earth looking for people who know they're sick. I came to the planet for people who would just call out to me. Jesus is like, what are you doing? Nothing. Why? 
I don't have anything to do. I don't have a life. Jesus says to us, much like this, this vineyard guy, Jesus says, you want life? Yes, sir. Well, go out there and get in my vineyard. Really? Yeah. Just like that, Jesus? I mean, what do I got to do? Isn't there a long list of things I have to do? Jesus says, I'll show you things you can do. But right now, go in my vineyard. Okay. Eleventh hour. The hardest part about the vineyard is not the master. The hardest part are those in the vineyard that think they're owed something. They think they deserve something. I deserve it, is the title of this series. And they despise those who are just happy to be there. Why? Because I had a contract with God. If you have a contract with God, tear that thing up as fast as you can. God's not fair. If God was fair, He wouldn't have died for me. Because that's not fair. If while we were still sinners, Jesus died for me, that's not fair. God's not fair. God is grace. That's why it is good news. Who am I? I'm an 11th hour person. Who am I? I'm the least of these. Who am I? I'm, I'm, I'm the last ditch effort group. That's who I am. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to spend the rest of my life in his vineyard. Running around, talking about I shouldn't even be here. I don't deserve this. I shouldn't even be here. We're all 11th hour people. We don't deserve it. But God gives us what we don't deserve. God's grace and His mercy. Y'all know the difference between grace and mercy? Grace is giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is not giving us what we do deserve. I'm an 11th hour Christian. And so are you. Would you stand? In this 11th hour... I often say that if you've heard the message this morning, that you've heard enough to be accountable for your life when you stand before God. I'm going to give you that unequivocal, perfectly crystal clear explanation this morning if you haven't heard it already. Jesus says in his word that it's appointed for man once to die and then the judgment so we will all stand before God the creator the author of the book the author and finisher of our faith we will all stand before him and we can we can go before him with this long list of things that we have done and so God we deserve this right we can go with this long list of things and say, you know what, I did this, I worked in the church. God, I worked I worked with two-year-olds in the church. And you know what, 
that my list could stop right there. God, I did this too. And you know what else I did? Um, I cut the grass and um, I, I helped do the, the work of the church. And I, I put the door on that one Sunday school room that time and got all of this stuff I've done. So I deserve to be in the kingdom, right? And as you're making your case, here I come. Hey, God, Jesus said, go. And he said, okay, then go. All right, cool. And you're standing there with your list. Wait a minute. This is how the kingdom of God works, Jesus said. Don't come to me with your list. We shared a video, a funny video a few weeks ago about people that came with their file folders. And then one guy came and and Jesus stepped in and said, oh, here's his folder. And they open up the file folder and it said, child of God. And that was all he needed. That's all you need to get to heaven and have eternal life with Jesus Christ. Is to accept him as savior. To believe on him. The Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you could probably be saved. Amen? No? Some people say no. No! It says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. That is your opportunity that's before you this morning. It's the 11th hour. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised walking out this door. How many know people that have been taken too soon? All of us. Folks, this is your 11th hour. You get right with God now because you're not promised the 12th hour. This is your opportunity. Jesus says, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe you. I believe you are who you say you are. And Jesus will say, you know what? Go ahead in the vineyard. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? In this sacred time before holy God, I believe that God speaks through his word and he interprets the words that I speak through the Holy Spirit to your heart. As we take these last few moments, we can do a couple of things. We can stomp our feet and say, life is not fair. It's not fair. And let this preacher be the first one to agree with you. You're right, life isn't fair. Or we can accept Jesus' explanation in this parable, in this story. And the fact that Jesus intercedes for you, suffered, bled, and died for you, was resurrected for you, despite the things that you have done in your life, you might say that that's not fair. And I don't really care if you've been in the church, around the church, around spiritual people, around Christians all of your life. And you say, well, God, I have this list and I I deserve to get in because I've done this, this or this. What matters is, do you believe in your heart? 
And will you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord? This is how you will know that you are saved. So that's my question to you this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around to embarrass anyone. But if you've had to deal with some things in your in your seat this morning that God was speaking to you directly. You say, well, Lord, I, if you're honest with yourself and before God this morning, you say, God, I kind of thought I did deserve some things, but now that I've heard from you, it's really not fair. But despite all of that, you still love me. You still reach out to me. You still speak to my heart, Lord, this morning, even now. You say to me this morning, Pastor, I have a lot of head knowledge, but I just don't have the heart knowledge. I know about God, but I don't know God. And Pastor, you're telling me that in God's word, all it says is that I need to just believe and I'm in. And I tell you this morning that that is the prerequisite. All that you have to do is believe. So I ask you this morning. Is it time for you this morning? Is today your time? Whether you're in this room, watching online, listening later. Is today, right now where you sit, where you hear this word. Is today your time? that you receive that message this morning, that you accept and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord. For the very first time in your life, you can know that you know that you are saved. You will have eternal life. You will enter into the vineyard, into God's kingdom because you've accepted Jesus. Now I'm going to give you that opportunity. With heads bowed and eyes closed, that I'll look around this this room this morning. If that's you this morning, say I need to receive this Jesus for the very first time. This is this is uh, something has gone off in my spirit this morning. The the flag has come up. The 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 Holy Spirit has revealed to me. He's calling to you. I know that because I stood where you stand. You say to me, Pastor, that's me. I need to settle it this morning. I've played this church thing. I've played this religious thing for a long time. I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. He calls to you and he says, come on in. If that's you this morning, just say, that's me, Pastor. Raise your, slip your hand up. Just say, hey, that's me. That's me. Amen. Don't leave here the same as you came in. This is the 11th hour. One more time, I'm going to look across this room. And if that's you, you just slip your hand up. No one's going to point you out. But I want to pray for you. Say, Pastor, that's me. It's settled. And for those that would have the courage to just believe and walk right in, praise the Lord. And I would speak to the rest of you saints that have that spirit of, hey, I've been working all my life here. You're not owed anything. 
you get into the kingdom of heaven just like that person who said, you know what, I, I, I don't know at all, but I'm going to, can I go in? Jesus says, yes, believe in me, you're in. Now's your chance to fix that spirit of it's not fair. And if you've had to deal with some things in your life that just weren't fair, and you're ready to let those things go and the spirit of fairness go out of your heart and accept God's justice and accept God's love and care and compassion and His kingdom living rules, if you're ready to let that spirit of whatever it is go, saying it's not fair, just slip your hand up and tell me, Pastor, pray for me this morning. I'm ready to let that go. I know it hasn't been fair. Amen. Amen. I see you. I know it hasn't been fair. Life's not fair. But God loves you. God wants to meet your need and and bring you into wholeness. Now is the opportunity for you to let that go. Say, life isn't fair. God says, I know. But I'm grace, not fairness. You want to abide in Him and not your own set of rules, but His rules. Say, Pastor, that's me. Just slip your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. Amen. Amen. God, you've seen those who have had the courage this morning to raise their hand and the courage, Lord, to say, you know what? I've lived in this, in this world of it's not fair and stomped my feet long enough. And God, I'm ready to turn that over to you. God, these folks who have been bold enough to say, that's me, Pastor. God, I pray that you would you would meet that need this morning in a supernatural way. And that, Lord, the, the stomping of feet would stop. And the self-righteousness would stop. And that, Lord, you would bring a humility and a peace and a comfort that only your Holy Spirit can do. Father, we give you the praise because we know you're about this business this morning. We know, God, that we don't live here on an island. We don't just, we're not just out here on our own trying to figure it out. And we know life hasn't been fair. But God, you can help mend those wounds. You can help heal those deep cuts in our lives that continue to scream, It's not fair. God, you can mend that. You can bring wholeness to people who have felt slighted in their lives. You can fill that gap. So Father, as we bring this time of gathering together as a family to a close, I pray a blessing on those that lives, Lord, the people that need to hear from you, need a touch from you. Might your Holy Spirit continue the work that he began this morning in this place. For those listening online, for those in this room, Lord, that have to deal with things now and may have to put some pieces back together, they may need to go and make restitution for some things, Lord, that things weren't fair, but you spoke to their hearts, God, and now they need to make it right with your help. God, would you help them? Mend broken hearts, broken relationships, broken lives, Lord. Like only your Holy Spirit can. Father, help us to leave here differently than we came in this morning. Because we have heard from you. We have heard from on high, the God of the universe. We give you the praise, Lord. 
In Jesus' powerful name, amen.